0: And today we're going to be talking about children's reading readiness. As I am joined by author, speaker, and educator Laurie Lynn Ahrens. Laurie is the author of the book, the children's book, I Am a Pig. She has a vast knowledge of reading readiness, and she wants to help you and give you tips and advice that you can share if even if you don't have kids on how to make sure that your kids already, and that they did not fall behind during the pandemic. So, Laurie, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Why don't you start off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself?
1: Yes. Well, I've come to the world of children singing, songwriting, and authorship by way of education, I've spent my whole career in early childhood teaching and the last 10 years was um, being a coach and consultant for the state of Iowa. And I've also taught at the University of Nebraska and Omaha and have trained all over the nation, um, all early childhood. I'm very passionate about early childhood and um, this little project that I partook of In 2018 is really when I started. I really got the business up and going in 2019, and it was really going great. And then 2020 happened, (laughs) and we all know what happened to many businesses in 2020. But my business is Overall Buddies is what I decided to name it, and I make quality songs and books for children and their families and for educators, and it's just something I always had in me. I've written songs since I was five years old, and it was my mother's last wish before she died that anything she left me would be used for this dream. And so the last three years I've spent creating, and it's been wonderful. I dove in the deep end and quit the job that I had and just put all my energy into it. I'm going to be going back to a full-time job hopefully here soon, but overall, Buddies will be something that it's in um, long-term, it will always be in my life, and I have lots of more songs and books to create on weekends and things like that. So that's a little bit about me.
0: So tell us about the the type of songs that, that you create for children.
1: The type of songs I create for children are a variety. I want my songs to, if they can tell a story, Plus, you know, so that children have things to talk about in the songs. Um, some I want them to move and dance. I want them to celebrate um, themselves and each other. And those are the things I, I really strive to create with my songs. And also, um, the lullabies, of course, are somewhat self explanatory. <laughs> I want. When I decided what is my why, Curtis, um, I said I wanted to create music and videos that would bring children and the adults in their lives together, whether that means they're going to cuddle, whether that means they're going to laugh because they're snorting in the pig song together and it always makes them laugh, whether it means they're going to be clapping hands and, and hugging and um, high-fiving. I wanted all that closeness to happen because music brings us together. and. So I'm one of the things that I say in my songs to also bring us together and celebrate us.
0: Well, give us some tips for parents that are, are looking for ways to foster reading and in in, in, instill that in their kids.
1: Oh, I'm glad to. There's four things that I've boiled it down to, basically. Number one, let them see you read. And it doesn't have to be a novel or anything that you're reading, just the day-to-day things that you do. Um, it's important to show children that print has meaning. And so even when you're reading ingredients on a in a food package, um, read them out loud and, and tell your child why you're reading them and what you're looking for and how grateful you are that th- that those words are there to tell you what's in that so you know what you're eating. Um, read cleaning instructions on a garment if they're around you watching laundry or even better, helping you with laundry in some way. Let them hear that self-talk. Oh, I see this is made of cotton and it can shrink, so it tells me I have to wash it in cold water. Uh, things like that. I read the newspaper, magazines, letters, um, you know, I hesitate to say phone, but I know that's really in a, a big part of our lives. So tell them, you know, I'm reading this text from your grandma and things like that, and show that reading has joy. That's the first thing. Let them see you read. And then number two is similar, but it's pointing out print in the environment. Um, this is also models for them that print has meaning. So when you're riding in the car is the perfect time to point out stop sign and say, oh, that says stop. S T O P. That says stop. And I bet you'll see another stop sign. And then they'll start saying, that says stop. That's right. You're a reader. And the more you can say, look at your reading, because that is reading. Recognizing words is a beginning to reading. And um the other thing, you know, children know what the target sign looks like usually in the Walmart <laughs> sign or McDonald's. And you can start really pointing that out, that they are reading with those words that they see every day. And you can go even further to just talk about McDonald's starts with M and M says, mm. and those things, when you give what I call dosages, um, you give lots of dosages of words that are in the world and letters and not overdoing it, but you don't miss the opportunities to do that. right? So, When children start seeing themselves as readers and they start saying, I know that says target, that's a T, things like that, they gain their confidence in it. And that transfers really well into the classroom. And most preschool teachers and kindergarten teachers are really good about using environmental print and having possibly an environmental print book um, from their neighborhood in their classrooms. And children start getting really confident in their reading. Number three is to read and talk to your child. So I want to start with talking to your child. So everything I've said already is talking to your child. And this is an a important thing that I learned later into my career, and I'm so glad I learned it. It's oral language is the basis of all early literacy. So talking is so important. Having conversations is paramount to children becoming a confident reader, it builds vocabulary when you're talking with your children. It helps them hear the flow of words up and down. When we talk, our voice goes up and down, and sometimes we slow down, and sometimes we're really excited, and and that increases their fluency once they start reading. Now I'm doing all the talking right now, and that's not really a conversation. But when you and I are both talking, that's a conversation. And so the goal for having a conversation with your child is. To try to have, I'm talking four-year-olds, is really my expertise. Two to seven is my expertise. Preschool, kindergarten is where I really um, shine and have all my experience and expertise. So around those ages, you want to strive for four to five exchanges. So you've got to start thinking of questions like, well, what was your best part of your day today? And get them to answer you and then say, well, tell me more about that. Or what was the first thing you did when you built this tower? Did you have any problems when you built this tower? How did you solve that problem? And getting them to talk back to you. So that's a conversation. And then reading to your child. And this is where families can get so overwhelmed. And they think, oh, I have to read four or five books a night. No, I say one quality book is enough because it's about the quality, not the quantity. And the quality time with a book includes finding that quiet time to just breathe slowly and be in a soft place to settle in with your child and pull your child close and just share that intimate conversation, which is what a book is. It's an intimate conversation. It can be funny. It can be a soft, gentle book before bedtime. There's no pressure. And you can gently, gently inject some of those dosages about words and sounds of word letters at the same time, especially if you get a quality book. Because raising readers is really just about joy. They have to have joy and meaning. And you can get that from one good quality book. And then the fourth one is And we can talk about what makes a quality book too as a follow-up if you want. The fourth one is um, something that's near and dear to my heart is utilizing the power of music to support and then enhance those literacy skills. So if your child has a favorite song, for instance, Itsy Bitsy Spider, let's just take that one that everybody knows. If you go to the library and look up Itsy Bitsy Spider children books, you're going to find four or five of those. Why? Because when children know a song like that, they already are familiar with the words, right? So when they go to the book, you start reading it, pointing to the words as you go, they're like, oh, and they, they see that you're pointing to the words. It's like, you know, these words, let's read it together. So the power of music is music lights up our whole brain. So when you use a song that children know, and then you attach it to a book or even just write it, you can write it out, their brain is really engaged for learning. We've seen that like when you see videos on YouTube um, with Alzheimer's patients and they can't remember their family's names or what happened two minutes ago, but they can sit down and play a piano piece that they used to play when they were 10 years old. That's because music lights up our brain for learning. And so that is why I put my song, I'm a pig um, into a book for that exact reason.
0: Speaking of books, uh, let's talk about what, what would you consider or what does make a good quality book?
1: Okay, so a quality book is, number one, when you open up a book, a children's book, and you really want to be able to use it for early literacy, which every book we want would like to do that, is the print interesting? So, there are these great books out there that have been made into like series on TV and stuff, but I would get so frustrated as a teacher to read those books. The pictures were great, but the the words were so tiny (laughs) at the bottom and I couldn't utilize any of the early literacy skills with print with it. And I thought, boy, that's a missed opportunity. So look for interesting print and simple text. um, So it's not too complicated. But you also want to have some unique vocabulary. But remember, unique vocabulary to a four and five-year-old isn't necessarily unique to us. The word faucet is not unique to us, but it's unique to a young child. So it's it's important to see, is there any, some interesting vocabulary we can talk about and expand upon? Um, repetitive text is is really helpful in a quality book. Why is that? Repetitive text give children the chance to start being familiar with what's going to happen in that book and start repeating it, which is going to make them feel confident and they're going to start recognizing, oh, that word says this and we just saw that three pages ago because it's repeating. Bold illustrations, not too small, so that um, children can talk about the pictures have illustrations that tell a story it might go along with the text but um, most children's text is pretty simple right so it's really nice to have pictures well not nice it's it's makes the book that much more important and worth the time and effort and money if you're buying one that the illustrations also have something going on because what did i say oral language is this. The basis of all literacy. So if things are happening in the pictures that you can use as a springboard to conversation, then you get more bang for your buck in that book. And all those things I mentioned are things that I took into account when I I made I'm a pig. And I always wanted to make this book in my 30s because I wrote this song in my 20s for my own boys. And I was always disappointed that I didn't do it sooner, but I wouldn't know all those things that made a quality book back in my thirties, right? We we learn so much more in our careers as we go and reflect and learn and, and take more classes. And so those things are all in the book that I made and I'm so happy that they're there and that's something families and teachers can look for in other books.
0: Well, let's talk about something that can happen before a child reaches the fourth grade that can harm them academically? Explain that to us.
1: If we hurry skills and push skills into children, it may give you higher scores. It may seem... And it does. Sometimes I see this happening in kindergarten, particularly a lot of skills getting pushed down, pushed down, recesses being taken away. All the things we know are good for children are getting taken away. And the things that are not good for children are getting pushed into them. And the research shows, Curtis, that it is fourth grade where that damage shows up. So I see school districts all the time. Celebrating the scores in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade. And it makes my stomach hurt because it's not so much the what. If you get good scores and you're doing it through play and intentional dosages throughout play and and all the things that are research-based, yay, because it will raise the scores with good teachers knowing where their children are and giving them the dosages within their play and things like that. But if we're forcing it down them and they're doing it for the test, it's fourth grade where children turn off to reading and to school. And we can't really measure that. That shows up in junior high and high school when either students turn off completely. And why do they turn off? Because they are either, have been overstimulated or understimulated with the type of universal instruction that's happening for them that's not developmentally appropriate. That increases challenging behaviors. I see that all over in kindergarten, especially that challenging behaviors have been increasing because they're setting so much and they only get one recess. Um, It's just not appropriate. And so you can start celebrating those things, but the real damage happens and we see it more, it hits at fourth grade. So we have to know these things and advocate for young children to have appropriate education. And I get the pressures, Curtis. I get it from administrators. I get it from, from states that... There's there's this um, fear even before the pandemic of the gap, right? Of, of the inappropriate and the unfortunate gap, especially between the income levels, seem to be the biggest reason for the gap. And so, how do we how do we bridge that gap? And it's not pushing it down. It's just not. It's through hands-on, stimulating learning that you put in dosages of of the math and the reading through exciting STEM projects where they're digging into projects and learning about things you wouldn't normally learn about, but you know the objectives of your district and you put them into those projects and children just soar. It is a harder way to teach, but boy, teachers are leaving right and left. And we have to get to that place where we realize that learning needs to be exciting and fun and stimulating and we can do it and still bridge the gap. You know, I went, I went kind of a long way around that, but I think I answered your question.
0: (laughs) Yes, you sure did. Okay. (laughs) So give us your views on book censorship. How do you feel about that?
1: I think that if we're going to have, have everybody belong, Uh, Belonging is even more important. It's a higher level than even just equity. It's everybody belongs. And if everybody belongs, we need to have a diverse conversation and diverse books. Now, if we're talking appropriateness of content for young children... Uh, that's maybe different. Like a rated R movie, you're not going to show it to a five year old, right? You don't want those things in their brains. They're not ready to handle that stuff. So it, it depends on the topic. If it's gory and that kind of thing, um, obviously we have to have the right uh, developmental <laughs> knowledge of children's um, brain and what they can handle. But I am, I think everything needs to be taken. I like I believe in listening to everybody's um ideas and but it it takes a lot for me to believe you should censor a book um, that's different than ooh this this topic's not appropriate for this age level that's different than censoring
0: well uh, let's talk about things that parents do to make Learning harder for their kids, so that way we can try not to do them and try to
1: avoid them. I think what I can do is kind of turn that around. If you don't mind, to how can parents make it more positive? Because it's not that. Yeah, I,
0: that's fine.
1: Yeah, I'm care. I'm all, I'm so careful about ever saying somebody makes it worse or better. Let's, because it. You know, when we know better, we do better. So to make a positive school experience here's some things you can do you can create a team with your teacher with your child's teacher and how to create that team is volunteering even if it's very small even if it's say hey I will cut out something for you once a month or uh, I will bring something for you this month um making sure to read the emails or the Facebook pages or the notes that are sent home in your child's backpack um, but let the teacher know you're your appropriate and best communication so that they can meet your preferred style of communication you know a lot of teachers especially new teachers don't think about that and and all it is is a gentle hey have you ever thought about just using this app or I, I really prefer text if you're able to do that Um, so that's you know just keeping that team going and the communication open because then when and if there is an conflict or an issue, you've already built that team relationship with the teacher. And it's not so much the teacher and the parent that benefit from that who benefits the most when they see that their teacher and their family working together for their best interest. It's the child. The, The whole the positive experience for a child is to see that the people that that are in charge of them and that care for them are working together and care for each other. So that's the benefit of really working with your child's teacher and giving them the benefit of the doubt. And they'll give you the benefit of the doubt when things happen, right? And the other thing that families can do to make it easier for their child and a more positive experience is create that positive and consistent bedtime right we all need that and morning routine and it doesn't you don't have to overthink it I tell families don't make it harder than it has to be for yourself it can just be that after dinner is when we're going to um, read a book and then we brush our teeth and then it's bedtime right you know, it can be three things and listen to music at that. And so talk with your child. You know what they like. Parents are their child's best expert and just make it very easy, but keep it consistent. And the morning routine, the same. Try to keep it very consistent. And um, this is hard. I, it, it, for parents that are listening that are overwhelmed, I understand. I understand. And I've been there. After my divorce, my boys were, and I think it was fourth and fifth grade. And it pretty go, but divorce really hard. And uh, families deal with all kinds of trauma in their lives and sometimes are barely hanging on by a thread. And I know it's hard. And what I can tell you is that just keep in there, breathe, and Settle in with your child and do those routines will make a huge difference for both of you, you know, so and I have a funny story to tell that I always told at my parent meetings, my family meetings that there's a story of a child that was in a kindergarten classroom and they were having a really rough day. It was just there were just a rough day. And the teacher just sat them down at the end of the day and smiled and said, oh, this has been kind of a tough day today. But she said, let's all go home, take a bath and come back and we'll start fresh. Right. So the child goes home and tells their parents, my teacher said, I have to take a bath. Right. So, so it's, it's, the story is funny, but what I use it to illustrate is that, so believe half of what your child says about what happens at school and i'll believe half of what your child says about what happens at home because they those stories come to me too and so the point of the story is not only that but if there's ever a question talk to the teacher take a breath you know hold back judgment that goes for teachers and families And just have that conversation with the teacher say, hey, my son or daughter said this. And can you tell me more about what happened today? And that will all of that will make it easier for your child.
0: Well, say it. Can you tell (laughs) us about your book and, and what readers can expect when they check it out and where we can get it?
1: Well, my book is so fun. Um, It's based on my song, I'm a Pig. And you can listen to I'm a Pig on any streaming site. You just search I'm a Pig by Overall Buddies and it should come up for you. And we have a video on YouTube with children that act out the story. And the book is the song is about a pig that just shows up on a child's bed one morning and basically starts singing this happy song about how happy this pig is to just be a pig and follows this little well in the book we decide to make it a little girl and the pig is a boy and so the pig follows the little girl around town he shows up at the grocery store and he knocks over box, this whole tower of cracker jacks and he shows up the school and he sneaks in and steals her piece of cheese from snack time and then he shows up at the football game and he's got a cheerleading skirt on he's cheering and (laughs) she's laughing and then at the end he goes away in a hot air balloon and the little girl we sing we don't know where he went and so it ends on a cliffhanger like that and but it's all happy and at the end in the book he's throwing out pig noses to everybody and so (laughs) It's a very fun, silly song that kids get to snort in. And just once they just sing the chorus and they have one little snort in the chorus and they seem to um, love it because it's my most requested song. And parents and um, teachers and librarians have told me for years that I need to make a book out of it. So I did a Kickstarter and I raised $10,000 in 11 days and uh, got this book made because I have this wonderful illustrator, Emily Baum, who um, she allowed me to keep all of the copyrights for paying her a little extra. So a lot of my Kickstarter, the majority of my Kickstarter money went to my illustrator. And I penciled all of the, the illustrations because one of the things I, I want people to look for in a quality book is that things are happening in the pictures that aren't necessarily in the words, that there's other things happening that you can talk about. So in my picture, there's other things happening that the pig's doing besides what the words are in the song. So there's this whole springboard to lots of conversations. And also I in my in my YouTube videos, I have a puppet that talks with me and his name is Obi. And in the book, I have the little girl has a stuffed OB and it's hiding in the pictures. So there's a third layer that families and teachers can talk about. Where's OB in the pictures. And that is very um, mathematically um, grounded because positional words are mathematical concepts above, beside, under, on. So I teach families to say, tell me with your words where you see Obi instead of just pointing like two year olds, of course, just point, but older kids, I say, have them try to tell you three different ways that they can describe where Obi is. So I demonstrate that. And um, so, and I also suggest don't talk about where the hidden Obi until like your third reading, because then that's all the children will want to talk about is where's Obi. (laughs) I learned that, (laughs) but it's fun. So there's a lot that's happening in my book, and um, I'm really excited and really proud of, proud of it. I'm older now, and I'm a grandma, actually, so this is something that I've always wanted to do, as I said, and to have it out in the world, Curtis, is pretty overwhelming and wonderful, and so many friends and family help support get this to get this book out there, and I'd love to have it in children's hands and have them reading and I a grandpa sent me a video of his one and a half year old squealing when she saw Obi. She was like looking for Obi in the pictures and went and just squealed. And I'm like, oh, that's success right there. Right. If you're gonna measure success when a child's squealing with delight about something you created, it's like, okay, it's good.
0: Absolutely. And congratulations on that. <laughs>
1: thank you. Thank any, you.
0: Any other projects that you're working on that people need to know about?
1: Well, I am going to be, I have probably a hundred more songs to get out. Um, and I'm going to work on getting into the studio and little by little making more songs. And so people can just kind of watch out for that. Follow Overall Buddies on Instagram and see what I'm up to. I've taken a break from it just because I had to kind of reflect, reevaluate, reorganize this summer. And that's when I decided, you know what, I need to go back to getting a full-time job. Overall Buddies isn't going away. Um, And I'm so lucky, Curtis, because I have two things in my life that I love, I'm passionate about and I have skills for and that can serve people. And one is my music for children and videos. And the other is working with teachers and and preschool programs. And so um, I just feel really fortunate to have two ways that I can go and um, be be of service in this world. And so that's one of my projects is going out and being a director now, but people can watch for things happening now and then with Overall Buddies. And like I said, they can follow my website is overallbuddies.com. And most of the things will be on there. Or like I said, they can follow me on Instagram or Facebook, just search Overall Buddies. They'll find me.
0: Gotcha. (laughs) The last thing Mm -hmm. I'd like to do before we close it out, is, you say, a lot of people request a pig song can you give us a little sample of it real quick to close it up
1: yeah of course well shoot I don't have my guitar it's upstairs (laughs) I can sing it without the guitar I can give you some background music if you want on um do it yeah I can do that I can pull it however
0: you feel is best
1: (laughs) I think you might like they might like some background because I did that when I go and uh when I sing at libraries and things I have this background so they hear I have some wonderful people that have played on my songs and so then they can hear some other people like um perry burkham who plays the I, i call him when he needs to play the fancy guitar for me all right i'll just do a little bit for you i woke up one morning to a bright and sunny day there was a pig sitting on my bed, and this is what he had to say right away. I'm a pig, I'm a pig, and I'm happy that I'm such. Thank you very much, I'm a pig. I'm a pig, I'm a pig, and I'm happy that I'm such. Thank you very much, I'm a pig. La 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 I'm a pig, now a your." guitar and then it goes through all the places where the pig shows up
0: that's sweet (laughs) ladies and gentlemen (laughs) overall buddies check it out check out that pig song it's definitely (laughs) nice follow rate review share this episode to as many people as possible especially all of the parents with children out there and even the children. Lori, thank you so much for joining us and thank you for that pig song.
1: Thank you, Curtis.
0: For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream dream.